my tour manager came backstage and he was like, you know you almost killed someone today. Like literally it's like blackouts. Let's do this. I signed to Simon Cowell because my manager at the time was like, it's a bigger check. You're in a label that is going to prioritize you because you're not like anything on their label. This business comes around it and it says, we can turn this into money. But I allowed someone else to tell me what my next direction is. Yeah. Everyone was like, be a star, have an entourage and who are you going to go out with? And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, maybe Sher Lloyd. And I was like, what? None of this shit means anything to me. I just was like, I'm not enjoying this. I didn't ask myself what I wanted because I was always accommodating what everyone else wanted. When did you realise that something had to change? Well, that's a deep one now. I was at a place where I couldn't actually talk to people because I had social anxiety. My manager was being weird, our relationship was breaking down. I had no confidence. I felt suppressed. I got like diagnosed with ADHD. When I read about what it's like, I was like, oh shit, it makes sense. I can't even hold a conversation with someone. Was it prohibiting your life? Yeah, 100% still does today. But I've learned to be aware of it. Let's just do something, just let it go. Euphoria was the first time I felt people actually heard the rawest form of lab. Getting to that point was true freedom. What are your goals now? The most important thing in my career is to... If this podcast has taught me one thing, it's that we're all created by and defined and shaped and moulded by our earliest context. So when you think about your earliest context and how that shaped who you are today and the person you went on to be, I'm talking about the like deep characteristics you have, the deep passions you have and all those things that were nurtured in those earliest years. What is your early context? What do I need to know about that context to understand you? Well, that's a deep one now. Um, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is church. Um, family was super religious, not always in the best way. Um, and not that I don't think there's anything wrong with religion. It just was, it was wrapped in a lot of things um, that I don't always think is healthy. But um, a lot of, there was a lot of beauty as well in, in terms of music um, worship and for me in worship was work with energy like seeing somebody connect with an energy or taking them from their body with a sound or with an with a um with connection in a church like seeing that happen like every Sunday can do something to you and you kind of learn from it um so I, that was always beautiful and just watching my family because they're like I don't know how this happened but just Everyone can sing or play an instrument or they have some kind of musical talent that was super inspiring to be around. Um, and then having a massive family as well was, I think, uh, heavily shaped me because I always say this to people, but standing in the middle of my house when I was, I don't know, 10, I would have my sisters upstairs singing like R&B records my brother downstairs with his friends playing like Yellow Jackets jazz music and like, I don't know, like um, Weather Report. And then my other brother ciphering in a room with his friends, rapping and um, banging on an MPC drum machine. And like being in the middle of that was like, I want to do all of them. <laughs> um, wow. um, and like, it was just mad, like insanely inspiring just to be around 
all of these big personalities um, that even today when I make music, I'm like, would would my sister like this? Would my brother like this? Would my family feel this? Um, Where did that come from? That musical household? Who inspired that? Parents? Grandparents? It's weird because on my mum's side, I think it's the church, honestly, because my mum and dad were both in in the church um, and they both went to the same church. My granddad was a reverend at um, this, uh, the church and his... Uh, my aunties and uncles used to sing around uh, and and like kind of do praise and worship and and do like a circuit around the country, and that kind of passed down to us um, on my mother's side and then on my dad's side, he's a guitarist. He's uh, well, rest in peace. He's a, he was a guitarist. He was a bass player, um, and his whole family were also in the musical side of the church. So it'd be like my mum and her family singing, and my dad in the kind of. Uh, um, playing with the musicians. So it was just kind of like always, always, it was always around when I was a kid. And I think music has been like, I guess like my, the other sibling that I didn't know was there, you know, mm-hmm. that um, that was related to us. And I think, um, yeah, I think it was between Christianity and thing, that was the beginning to me because my house was very, very heavily bordered around church, everything. Like literally we couldn't watch uh TV and if uh, without like uh, the TV being turned off when somebody was kissing. So like romance was like, oh, whoa, that's of the devil. And then when I went to school, that's when the, it was like the kaleidoscope went wild and it was like, oh shit. (laughs) All of this stuff exists. Um, I really did feel like that when I was a kid. I was, because it was so sheltered, going to central London was like going to another country to me. Like that's how sheltered it was and it was like home church and then everything else around that was like I'm in a whole other world so growing up for me was just like discovering this other other universe or other dimension if that makes sense yeah yeah Yeah. what was your what was your relationship like with your mother and father um my mother was um like I was saying the church was beautiful but also toxic and my mother was um she kind of shunned from the church because she had uh children out of wedlock and um like i'm saying it's very heavily guarded and boarded so she was um she was kind of uh, disowned by a lot of uh, our family and um she she had moved from north london to hackney and from then on i didn't i don't think i saw my grandparents for years, like um, after that, like after she was kind of put out. One thing that happens in Jamaica is because of a lot of them came over here to the land of milk and honey, um, with race, anything white was better. So my mum was one of the darkest of her family and she grew up with um, being kind of very, uh, a lot of her life was very shunned. Like it was like, you're you're the darker one of the family. So um, don't, don't shoot for the, don't shoot for the stars, just just stay on the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so because she was around a lot of that energy, when she was on her own, she kind of, it's like she made a promise to herself to not do that to her kids. And so growing up with my mom, it was very super supportive. Really? Um, she used to teach us, my mom, like I was saying, it was very sheltered around uh, and very religious. She wasn't taught because women were supposed to be in the house, women were supposed to clean and do all this, have a husband and your husband will go and make the money and do all that stuff around it. So 
she she came out of this kind of uh, uh, community and had no understanding of taxes, no understanding how to keep a house, no understanding of a business, no, nothing. She didn't know anything. And so she literally had to learn from scratch and would study psychology and study transactional analysis and study willpower. And she would teach us and sit us all around the table and be like, what is willpower? And I remember, I remember like vividly, like nine of us sitting around the table. And at the time we were like, mom, come on, this is so boring. Why do we have to do this? But she would kind of pull us into it. And then we would end up having these big conversations about things that we just, we never understood or never got. And she just wanted to make sure she could give us something because she had no money and she was just kind of surviving. She, she nurtured our music, uh, music. She nurtured our creativity and, when she was coming up, that wasn't nurtured. It was shut up, sit down and don't get in our way. Um, that mm. was her upbringing. It, it, it wasn't just my grandparents. That was very much common. And a lot of the parents of the 60s, it was just like children are to be seen and not heard, you know. And don't don't embarrass me in front of my friends. That was very much that. And then with my dad, my dad was, he was um, very much abused when he was a kid by um, his grandparent, by by his stepfather. He was beaten a lot when he was a kid and I think that affected him as a as a man, like as a father and he left home when he was 15. So he wasn't there for me. I didn't see my dad when I was a kid. Um, but I I pity his beginning like because I get why he became who he became. Mm -hmm. um, he was super musical and I think that was maybe the most inspiring thing and that's the thing I, I got from him. I always used to see him playing his guitar. When did he leave your household? He left. How old were you? Shit, I don't even remember. That's that's how long ago. Like, I was young. I was super young. And I think he came back. Well, he must have came back twice because my I have two <laughs> brothers and sisters younger than me. So um, my, yeah, he came. Um, I, um, I think he left. I think he left on me. Um, and then my two sisters um, that are younger than me, Rachel and Jessica, um, he came back around and they were trying to like kind of um, rekindle. rekindle. Yeah, yeah. Do you not remember that the household changing in any way when when he left? I think I was too young. Like I was, I was really young. So, so when I grew up, not giving a shit that I didn't have a dad. Uh, like if if that makes sense, mm -hmm. I, I, um, I didn't have a connection with him. I didn't, um, I didn't know him that way. A lot of my older brothers and sisters were very close and very like, this mm. is my guy. This is you know like yeah, yeah, my yeah, kids. Yeah. Of like I'm best friends with my kids. I love I like I'm um we have our own private jokes. We you know like mm. like we have that. I never had that with my dad, so I, I didn't feel like anyone left. I only noticed how important he was when he died. Like I was like, oh shit, you need a dad, and like it was like it was like whoa. You only got noticed me. how important he was when he died. Yeah, honestly, like honestly, before then I was just like, oh, he's just a sperm sperm donor. Like I don't really it does it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't like it's like. It was, uh, and it wasn't even by my mom. It was just like, I I didn't, I wasn't bothered about it, you know? Um, but then when he died, I was like, I, I I had kids then. He hadn't met my my kids. And I remember my, I was putting my daughter to sleep and she had a bad dream. And I said, um, I got you, don't worry, I'm here. And I was like, shit, I've never heard that. And I was like, oh, that's what, like, that's a dad. Like, if you get I me, mean, like, that's, that's how important that part of your life is. And then I was like, also, you inherit things from your parents. Like, and that's not money. That's not wealth. You do, of course, inherit those things. But 
I think the most important thing you inherit from your parents is memories, even like mental health support. Like my dad always said this, like that sometimes is like petrol in your tank when you're like, um, I don't know how to get this business off the ground. I remember dad always said this. I remember mom said, don't never give up. Like all that stuff. Like I didn't grow up with that. Like if you get what I mean. So um, that hit me when I, when I was like, my dad's gone and, and I understood how like instrumental a parent could be in your life when those um when those things are around, you know? Um yeah, so that's what I saw anyway. But but yeah, that's really like my parents in terms of how they affected me. I often like f- I think I figured myself out in hindsight by almost by comparison of like comparing me to my peers. At a very young age, you kind of yeah. notice how you're different from your peers. Yeah. Even from your brothers and sisters. I've yeah. got four there's four of us in my family, kids. I'm the youngest of four. And much of how I've understood myself is by realizing what I'm not. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So when you think about like at that young age, under the age of 18, what, who were you figuring out that you were in comparison to the, the outside world? Even with my brothers and sisters, I remember coming home with um, indie records and I remember I was working with a girl and she played me Blondie and uh, like, like loads of, loads of like, like kind of 70s, 80s uh, indie records, I was like, shit, this is fun. Like I, I always wanted to delve in things that were foreign to me because I was like, okay, I grew up with grime. I grew up with hip hop. I get it. But it was like, where, what are these things I don't understand? And then when I would bring them home, I'd be like, check this out. And they'd be like, okay, bro. <laughs> Especially coming from the background of like gospel and um, like kind of like, you know, black music. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it was weird to come home with music that, that was so foreign, you know? And so nobody even knew how to compliment me on it, but go like, you're doing your thing, I guess, like, you know? And and I feel like I've seen that happen uh, consistently in my life where I grew up around grime, grew up around grime artists. I went to grime raves, but I never wanted to make grime. And I never felt like I was um, the kind of black guy that I was supposed to be when I was in th- those environments. I was like, I was always weird or like, I never knew all the dances. I used to dance funky. And like, I was just, I just knew like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> if, if I had 16 year old, you were yeah. 16, 16 year old. Weird, weird as hell. Just, just, I remember my girlfriend told me about how, when she met uh, my wife now, but when she was my girlfriend, she was like, I remember seeing you years ago and um, uh, you would wear a do-rag I would be wearing like a, um, you know, those capes, like Marilyn Manson capes. Like it was like fucking black ass, ja- like long ass jacket. I would have like, a, you know, those metal fingers. Um, oh, yeah, night yeah. fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the tube. Yeah. I used to have a night finger on and it had like a crucifix on it and it was crazy. I don't know why I was wearing it, but I wore it. And then I had like a Dunlop cap, like backwards. And then I would be wearing Dunlop trainers. And I was just, I was just a weird kid and I would, I would always dress in the most funkiest ways ever. And my wife was like, it was just so funny. You just didn't give a shit. And I didn't even notice I was doing it. I just was like, well, this is stuff I'm going to wear. But most, I remember being, you know, I was like 14. All I wanted to do was fit in. So all I wanted to do was like wear the outfits that everyone else was wearing and just fit into the crowd and be accepted by the crowd. You sound slightly different. I couldn't. Even if I wanted to wear what everyone was wearing, I couldn't, I didn't have the money. So it was like, what was cool with my family or where our cool was, was that we were creative 
And so we found our way of being uh, popular or being um, uh, kind of loved amongst our peers by our like character and our personality, if you get what I mean. And, and that was your whole family? Yeah, all of them, dancers, singers. We would dance together. We used to put on, we, we'd done a show in school together as a, a family mm. and put on like a concert and we had the whole school come and pay to watch us perform. So we were kind of like little superstars in our neighborhood, like if you get, I mean, as a group. So I, I remember they used to write articles on us, the mm. Jackson 9 and all this stuff. Like, so it was like, we were very like, like kind of, my family was really loved for just their creativity. We never had the money to be those cool kids. Like somehow we like kind of um, transcended uh, the physical cool, like the physical side of cool. Cause we definitely didn't have that stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Do you, do you know who was driving that in your, so you've said like the outside yeah. world responded well to it and they kind yeah. of embraced it and said, yeah. but was there someone, was there someone at home driving individuality in your, in your house or was it just the fact? I that think all, it's my mum. Honestly, and it wasn't my mum necessarily, my mum didn't get in the way of it. And I okay. think that's one thing if, when I'm talking about things that you inherit from your parents, I could definitely say I inherited that, inherited that from my my mum, my is that she didn't get in the way of us being ourselves. Um, and she, if anything, she would laugh at it or be like, go do you. Like, um, um, so like, I remember, yeah, I remember vividly like that being just my mum being open and kind of seeing my, my older brother, Jamie was a producer and a DJ and he used to make his own sound systems because he got inspired by, um, you know, like dub, basically, you know, like dub. But at the time everyone was making like, jungle but it was all it all came from the scar dub world if you get what i mean mm-hmm. and so he used to make i used to help him make his speakers for his dj sets and then he would go out into like the festivals or notting hill and put on his own dj set with his friends and so yeah yeah like that all of this stuff was going on like side by side while i was a kid you know sounds like a like a really a nice form of like creative chaos like it the environment to be chaotic though Chaotic as hell. (laughs) Well, when did you start focusing on music? What age? I don't know. Because it just looks, yeah. It's just kind of like, I I guess in school I had a band called Dynamics, and one of the guys that was in it, um, you might know him, he's Flo. He's a sick producer. He's done Little Sims albums. He's done so many cool albums. Like most of the stuff that everyone's loving right now, he's kind of had a hand in. Um, And um, we had a band in school in um, Stoke Newington. Yeah, that would that would inspire that would inspire a lot of stuff. Like um we were making our own music. We were like, we're gonna be the biggest band in the world. We used to argue all the time, like we were like like flipping Rolling Stones. We thought we were like like rock stars. And in our school, we would give out flyers and make our own flyers um and like stick them up around the school, like come to our concert and all this stuff. So we were just very, very like brashy and like we got this. What age was this? This was like, what, when that, when that think, band started popping. 14. So you leave secondary school at like 16 years old, right? Yeah. That's, we, yeah. Uh, at that point, what, what's your orientation in life? If I'd asked you, what, what are you going to be when you grow, grow up? What would you have told me at 16 upon leaving school? Everyone knew I was going to be a musician. Everyone. By that point? Literally, like, I remember leaving, like, uh, we had that in my classroom in school. They were like, everyone wrote down, who do you think is going to be the most successful? Who do you think is going to be rich first? Who do you think's this? And they were just like, lab. And like, Tim, Tim, Tim. And I was like, I didn't even believe it. I was like, okay, cool. I, I know I want to do these things, but like I was super mega focused. I used to get in mad trouble just so I could go to the music room. So literally like 
my whole existence has been like, I want to write records, I want to write records. And like, that's all I do. <laughs> I was on a mission to write records. <laughs> and that, what age did yeah. that start? Because I know when it, it started to, when you got signed and when you released your debut album and stuff, but I'm trying to understand how long you're like, mastery process was from the first time you picked up an instrument or rapped or sang or wrote but a lyric. it's weird because like my brother josh um amazing drummer mcnasty bad boy drummer he taught me how to play the bass taught me how to play the drums and i would see him doing that so i just copy my older brother but because i have so many then i would go to jamie's room and jamie would teach me how to use the mpc so i would go to his studio and him and his boys would be smoking drinking um, and like on a madness and I, I would, I, he kind of took me under his wing for a bit and I would like go around with him to like in his world, which was very much more like, was much more like hip hop, urban. So um, you got this full kind of. Kind of gritty, like more hip hop. Like we were listening to Pete Rock, Wu-Tang, all that shit. And then my other brother who was more musical, like a bit more like, like instrument, drums, uh, and I would be around his friends that were musicians, you know, so. We spoke to someone on your yeah. team and they said yeah. that we could put any instrument in front of you and you'd play it. <laughs> and this kind of, like, I'm, I, now I kind of understand where that came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, everything's an instrument to me, honestly. Everything. Like this table. Yep. The sound <laughs> of your voice is a tone. Mm. Like, uh, like uh, I, I, I can just hear music all the time. Like, it doesn't stop. Um, and I might be... I don't know, it might be like, I um, I got like diagnosed with ADHD because I thought I may have had it. And um, I, so I went to go check and I was like, when I read about what it's like, I was like, oh shit, um, it makes sense why I'm so, that's literally, this is all I do. My life is that it, I, I raise my children and make music. That's literally been my life. You got diagnosed with ADHD? Yeah. It's funny because I was sat here recently yeah with uh with an expert on the topic so it's very front of mind the topic of adhd yeah um and one of the things he said was that you know there's been this rise in adhd in our yeah. in in the world specifically in western countries i'm only saying specifically because i know the stats where i think it's 30 years ago one in 20 kids had adhd now it's one in nine um and his take on it was that ADHD is an early response. Basically, when we were young and there was stress in our in our households, the 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 child, when there's stressful events, learns how to basically turn off their attention yeah. as a way to protect themselves. Yeah. Like switch their attention away from that thing. So and they've looked at all these studies and really inspired by them where they get 65,000 65, parents, and the parents who have the most stress in their lives end up having kids with ADHD. Yeah, makes sense. And it's just interesting. So it's just front of my thought, you know, so it goes back to your childhood, but... Yeah, my stress sounds mad stressful. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's not, it's not far off, like, in terms... Of, but yeah, um, it, even talking about it sometimes sounds silly because everyone thinks they have ADHD um, and everyone says it. So I, I was like, I, I hate kind of... I know I hate's a strong word, but like talking about ADHD, I don't enjoy trying to victimize myself with it mm -hmm. um and that's why i checked because i was like i think it's disrespectful for a person with um something that affects their mental health or something that affects them uh, their ability to 
to do what they want to do or like to just live a life that is supposed to be, I don't know what is normal, mm. but yeah, you know, um, and that prohibits them. Um, and I think it's disrespectful to be like, oh, I'm autistic. I'm this um, without really like kind of knowing. Um, and and was it prohibiting your life? Yeah, hundred percent. Still what, does today. What's the what's the what's the symptom or what was the? Can't finish shit. Um, forget like like literally, it's like blackouts. It's like I'll um, even in conversation. Sometimes when people say something to me, it would be like I take in the information, and it just kind of dies away, and I'm like shit. I can't even hold a conversation with someone or keeping up relationships, remembering to get back to people. Um, and that in business, in terms of networking, and, and I'm not talking about networking from a um, using people, like I'm not ladder chasing, but there is a part of it where it's like, yeah, you, your yeah. your life, your business yeah. is not going to change if you don't respond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like I would, I would work with artists and they would be like, Lab, you're so sick. I love your shit. Yeah. Please, like, can, can you write my album? I'd be like, yeah. And then start the record and they'll be like, they haven't heard from me. Where's Lab? Why is he, do- he just, mm. he just clocks out, you know? And it's like, I'll just forget I'm doing it and I'll get dragged into something else. <laughs> I wonder if there's a relationship between ADHD and uh, creativity. Cause you know, I hear a very similar thing from pretty much all of the artists that yeah. I've, I've sat here with about, about um, what you've, what you've just described there. Going back to the this this uh, all these instruments you can play and all these brothers and sisters that are playing a different variety of um, instrument and learning different sort of art forms, as it relates to like creativity, um, how important do you think it has been for your creativity and the, the art that you've created in your career to have all of these? I remember one one person I spoke to talked about creativity as being like all of these different clouds in your mind, and then sometimes the clouds hit each other and yeah. that's like a new idea yeah yeah but in order to be creative you have to have as many clouds as possible I, I feel that um I think that's in learning like it's like um being able to create variety in your ability to um transmit um like an idea because I always look at I don't I look at creativity as um articulating your soul and that that's the true form for me. Like, cause you can be creative, but not really tell the truth while you're being creative. Like you're just like, oh, I I'm making something that I think people would like. Um, and that there's and, and you can still be creative while doing that, where it's like, okay, cool. Here's something that I know people are gonna respond to. I'm gonna get a reaction out of you. And then there's the other side where I think to me, I believe it's art where you're transmitting and you're articulating the sound or the frequency of your soul to a person. And I feel like every soul has a song, even, even if it's not in music, like every soul um, has a, uh, a direction or a place it wants to go and it has purpose. And it's like, I, I can, and I, I always ask artists, I'm like, what do you hear in you? Like not, what do you hear outside of you? And, oh, um, what's it, Burner Boy's doing this and that guy's doing this. And if I mix these together, then it maybe makes me. And it's like, no, no, no. What's in you? What do you hear? Like right here, like just internally. And so um, for me, I had to do that to, to find um, what I wanted to say. And and I, I'm still finding that. I'm still kind of like, um, I, I guess it's learning how to like uh, be unafraid to be like totally naked because bearing your soul is naked like it's like it's like 
if I do this, someone's going to be like, this is shit and it's going to hurt. <laughs> if you're in the process of learning to be unafraid, was there yeah. a time that you were taught to be afraid? Um, my whole life, like everything. I'm still afraid now, but but I can see it. And I think that makes a difference um, um, in terms of um, whether I choose to be afraid. But before I had no choice. I was just like, I don't even know what this is. I just was like, I'm not enjoying this. Like, I wasn't enjoying my career. So I was like, I'm not enjoying Why am I not enjoying this? And then I was like, okay, I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm not saying what, what I feel like saying or what I feel excited about saying. And I feel like my world is being governed by um, accommodating my periphery. Like my manager says, if you do this, this is going to gain a reaction. And it's kind of like your inner child says, oh, I want somebody to say he's cute. I want someone to say he's worthy. And so you run towards that, that energy. Like, and and I, I was always saying um, in the music industry, it's like a bunch of kids trying to get a pat on the back. That's what we're all doing. And it's like, if you see it in your A&R or you see it in your peers and everybody's trying to get that pat on the back, like, well done, good boy. And everybody wants to get the good boy. And so we're all running off the good boy. But when you finally realize that like, I don't give a shit about your good boy, I don't want it. I want, I want a good boy from myself. I want to I wanna be like, you said it, like you actually said what was internally going on. And I, I'm, does it matter what people um, uh, say on the other side? Like, it, and getting to that point where you're like, um, I am comfortable with what I will receive after I've said what I said um, from my soul. I think for me is like true freedom. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to say what I need to say. That's a journey, right? Yo, <laughs> that's just scary, man. That's a journey. So you start, you know, you start out in your career. Yeah. You're trying to you're trying to get on your land in the ropes. People are telling you, giving you advice. You don't know better. Yep. So you follow the advice. Church Pe- boy in, in the music industry. Whew. Sometimes the advice pays off. So you <laughs> yeah. go, okay, I'm going to listen to you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then at some point in your and career. And that's the worst part is when it pays off. Then you got, then yeah. you. Because you think it works. You're like, well, I, I did everything I didn't want to do, but it worked. So maybe I should do more of this. And then... What are you referring to? It, I mean, just like records or like... What, um, what part of your career is this though? I think... Uh, okay, so like with Simon Cowell. And uh, when I signed to Simon Cowell, I signed to Simon Cowell because my manager at the time was like, it's a bigger check. You're in a label that um, isn't going to know... Uh, is isn't is going to prioritize you because you're not like anything on their label. I was like, yeah, great idea, but I didn't think about it for myself. I allowed someone else to tell me w- what my next direction is because um, I did. I don't think I had the strength at the time to even think about what I wanted for myself. If you get me, same way I owned a restaurant. Uh, that was my manager. That was like, you should own a restaurant. I was like, yeah, let's own a restaurant. And then I was like, I don't know shit about a restaurant. I've never cared about a restaurant. <laughs> and and I only realized that later, but it kind of felt like you're supposed to look like a mogul and you're supposed to look important and you're supposed to gather all these things that 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 start to create. Um, oh, I'm hearing Keeping up appearances, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. What I was hearing from that yeah. is like, because you didn't, I was going to say because you didn't know what you wanted, someone else told you what you wanted. Yeah. But it's more like part of it sounded like you didn't have the conviction to stand up for what you wanted. No, you didn't. yeah, that's what it is. It's, I, I didn't ask myself what I wanted. I never did because I was always accommodating what everyone else wanted. And I still do it now sometimes, but but I've learned to 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 be aware of it. 
Is that because of, yeah. is that in part because of like when we're coming up, we're a little bit desperate just to get on that we just we don't have the power yet to say like I want to do it my way because we're still trying. We still need the check or because we're st- we still. I think one thing I love about the ADHD is I don't think about money the same way most people do. So like I've, a lot of my peers in the music industry, they're building a business because they can. Like they're they're going okay this year we're gonna do this and that's gonna come with that and they have this whole internal plan and I'm like my plan is. Like, if I can take a sound out of heaven and put it on a fucking computer, that is mad to me. Like, that, that is like, that literally lights up my whole soul. And I feel so excited. I literally, sometimes when I'm making music, I cry because I'm like, it hit me that hard, if you get what I mean. And so, like, that for me is like, it literally, like, I would live for that. I could, that's enough for me. But then, then around that, like, taking stardust from the clouds or from wherever you want, from the universe, um, this business comes around it and it says, we can turn this into money, but you have to do this with it. And then you've got to funnel it and you can, you can only do this in order to get that. And you're like, oh shit, okay, cool. Be a star. What does a star look like? Oh, um, be in a car with flipping tinted windows, have an entourage and go on like you're the shit. Okay, cool, cool. I, but I don't really know how to do that. I'm kind of really a geek, like, because that's what I was when I was 16. And then before you know it, you're like, I don't, none of this shit means anything to me. And I felt like I was being, I, that's the time I think when you're talking about this place where I, I don't believe I belong. I was in the music industry and like I was around, I remember like in Psycho, they went, who are you going out with? Like when I was first signed, it was like, who are you going to go out with? And I was like, what do you mean? It was like, oh, maybe Sher Lloyd. And I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean? And then, oh, we're going to send you to this party. JLS are there. Um, you just got to, like, there's going to be photographers outside the building. Um, um, be ready to be like, thing, because we're trying to put you around this facade. Uh, so I was like, oh shit, this is, this is how it works then, I guess. And and so being around that, that was instantly like, I I, I thought, studying music theory and studying modes and scales was was your like uh what made you worthy of being in this industry if you get what I mean um but it became like no entertainment isn't craft entertainment is entertainment and people will be entertained by anything so play the game yeah and 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 so it was like find your way like just try and try and lie as long as you can <laughs> When did you feel? The, when did you feel the symptoms of that? So I sit here with I've seen yeah. here with a lot of people who did yeah. did a very similar thing, and they yeah. say I spent a decade like wearing the mask and like wearing the outfit, yeah. and then at some point, you know, I remember finding Cotton saying like she's driving to work and she just starts having panic attacks on the motorway. Yeah. She thinks, Same. "Fuck this! Same. I'm going to my happy place," and she launches this brand called Happy Place yep. where she gets to Sick. control her own destiny and be herself. She doesn't have to do the like, oh yeah, I'm fine. You know, she can be the full expression of her. That's a hard one, bro. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah, we all meet each other. Yeah. And and that's is we're all the same boy or girl waiting to get the pat on the back. Good boy, good, good yeah. girl. And then and then uh I feel like we meet each other and we're all pretending that we've we've got it together. Mm-hmm. So I could have seen Fern and she's like, I'm dying inside right now, but she has to be Fern. I got it together. I'm like, shit, she's got it so well together, man. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm, I'm lying. Like they, they, they could see it. Like I'm a fake, I'm a fake. And everyone's doing that, but it's weird. Like, and then it turns you into this person that's like getting kicks out of lying better than the other. 
Like, so you go mm. to an award ceremony and it's like, we sold 50 million or, well, I don't know, 5 million records this week. How many did you sell? And it's like, I'm, I'm valuable. You start uh, playing Yeah, the people game. believe in my lie and now I believe in it. And it's like, uh, like it starts to create this thing in you where um, if it becomes successful, like we were saying, it's like if it, if it works and it pays off, then you're like, oh, I need to, I need to like, I need to be this guy now. I've got, I've got to believe in this guy. And so, yeah, I, I, it's so funny that when you're saying with Fern, I'm like, I would have never known. I would have never known that that stuff was going on. Cause I feel like, I feel like she had it well together. And I was like, I was having panic attacks. <laughs> mm. What were the symptoms then for you? When did you realize that something had to change? I was smashing guitars on stage and I know rock stars do that. I was a church boy. So it was, that was big for me. Um, and I, one show I was performing and I was like, I hate this, but I was saying I hate this, but I wasn't saying it in my mind. I was like, I, I could feel it. I was like, why am I, I'm in this front of this crowd. This is not even the audience I wanted to be in front of. What am I doing? They're loving it, but but I'm still just like, what is this? And um, my band, when I was talking about accommodating, my band's eating my um, rider before I get into my room because I was accommodating everyone to the point where it was like, like me, please. Like, I'll do whatever I can to make sure you're comfortable in my space, even if it means giving you all my space. So my band was eating up my rider. My, some of the people on my um, team were taking my uh, like stuff from my, um, like they would, you know, like brands, when brands give you stuff, they would take it and give it to their families nothing was given to my family and my missus had actually noticed this. Um, and I was like, no, no, no. I was always making excuses for, for everyone that was doing what they were doing. Where does that come from in you? That people pleasing, trying to, trying to fit it? It, it must be my dad. It, mu- it must be like that my dad, because I think I've silenced uh, my dad's absence in me. So it was just, ah, sperm donor, don't worry. Blah, blah, blah. And I had, all, I had this thing in my head where it's like, I don't need this guy, but it's like, um, I think uh, him not being present is like, what do I need to be for you to be here? If you get me. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that happened. And also I think the music industry helped create some of that as well, where it was like, cause before the music industry, I was that guy. I'm from my do-rag one. Thinker. I looked wonky as hell, bro. It was, I, I look back at some of the pictures and I'm dying. I'm like, who is this guy? But, but I was confident enough to walk, around London looking like this like hodgepodge guy and so because yeah, of, because of I that, think the music industry was like you need to be this and I was like whoa how in order to be accepted yes and from a young be, age you'd learned that like you'd I guess at some stage you felt not accepted by your father is that what you're saying is I think that where that came from yeah I think there's an element of that yeah yeah I think that church as well was there and where it was like there was a way to behave there was a way was to right be wrong there was a way to be to, to be loved. If you behave this way, this is what you get, you know, like, um, God loves you. Yeah. God, God loves you. If you behave like this. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and that's I'm, not true. I'm really intrigued by, by the idea of like how, how we become people pleasers because, and it typically, even from, from speaking to Gabor, who literally wrote a book about this. Um, he says the same thing in those early years when, you know, we we're seeking the acceptance or validation from a parent and we're struggling to get it. We have that battle with them of trying to, trying to prove that we're good enough. So that becomes our adult tendency to seek approval and seek trying to, yeah. you know, fit into others' expectations. You, you become an artist that becomes really prevalent in your in your life, in, in your music, to the point that you're on stage performing music that it sounds like 
You're like, what is this? <laughs> to a crowd. <laughs> Who made but, um, this? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? So many of us, so many, if we, if we act in, inauthentically for a lot, enough time, we build a life around that yeah, inauthenticity. That's right. We build a friendship group around it. We build a, in your case, a, a fan base yeah. around it. And I dropped it. I was like, nah, loudest. And then the pa- pain of keeping up with yeah. that expectation and that, that community you built around you that doesn't resonate with who you truly are. That's when the you you know panic attacks and the, the yep. psychology kicks in and tries to save you. But I think I've spoken to a lot of artists about it as well. Everyone thinks that by doing you, you're still going to achieve that same success, and that's the scary thing. I think for a lot of people, where they're like, "I found myself now. I'm going to make the album that I or the piece of craft or work or thing that that people um, that that means everything to me." And it's like, no. <laughs> It's entertainment. People don't give a shit. Like you did it for you. Just do it for you. And it's like, you have to know that some people may resonate with the true you, or you might have to go and do work and build a new audience. And and it's going to take the same amount of time, but people don't want that. Like when they're like, I'm going to be me. And it's like, yeah, uh, you got, 10 views on this one. And it's yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. And that's when you learn that there is some kind of truth to the, to yeah, the game. That's the reality. That's the reality of it. I had to learn that as well. It's like, um, being you is for you and you have to do it for you. And you also have to accept the consequences of, of being you. Um, and even the consequences of the way you do business as well. Like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk all around the world saying hello to every and every person, not really connecting with the people I'm, I'm meeting. I'm just like, oh, I'm famous. Just kiss my ass and mm-hmm. I'm going to move over to the next country and do the same. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't, it doesn't excite me and it drains my energy. It drains my creative energy. But if you don't tour, if you're getting a million for every show or you're getting, a, I don't know, half a mil for every show, you're like, whoa, maybe it's I want to say no to that. Do I want to, do, do I want to go do that? And it's like, but, but then if I go, the true me that my center says no, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then don't cry about it after. And, and a lot of us do where it's like, I made this decision. <laughs> a lot of us can do that, you know, but learning to like really accept your choices and live and die by them. Um, can can help you find fulfillment, and that to me is like money. That's 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 like. Whew. You have this gradual feeling building from the sound of it, and then is that day on stage? Was that the the turning point for you? Was that the yeah, day? Yeah, threw you- a guitar in the air. I almost hit a camera woman. Why did you throw it? I was pissed. I was I I, I was backstage. Something happened. My manager was being weird. Our relationship was breaking down, um, and I. I I had a, a dependency. It was intense. I had no confidence. I, lit, I literally, I was at a place where I couldn't actually talk to people because I was, I had um, social anxiety. And, and so he was super confident and outgoing and um, kind of like was like a, 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 someone to lean on. And that kind of went up to my, my early days in my career. And so um, our relationship started to break down and it felt like if I didn't have him saying my music's good, it wasn't. Um, and and I kind of looked for him to him for that. Like like a father figure. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly that. Like I, I, I kind of saw him as a father figure and we, we had a really close relationship. And then it just started to break down when money started coming in. And um 
I felt that happening, but I didn't know what was going on internally. I was just like, something's weird. This is just messed up. And then I went on stage, threw this guitar in the air. This camera woman was there. And I remember there was a fan in the crowd because I'm a people pleaser, but also it pisses me off. I was watching the crowd and there was this one guy and he was looking at me and he was like, it was just like he was just saying, dickhead, like you look like an idiot. And I was like, I believe you. Ah, and then I just threw this guitar in there and it almost hit this woman. And I didn't see it. And my tour manager came backstage and he was like, you know, you almost killed someone today. And I was like, oh. wait a minute. So you, you <laughs> threw this guitar shit. because some guy in the crowd was giving you a funny look. Him and the thing going, that all this going, stuff was, was going, going on. And, I, and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, cool. <laughs> right. You just and don't want to be there. And then anymore. I threw this guitar in the air because I was just like, fuck this place. And then it literally just was like, and and just nearly just skimmed her and and I, and when he said that I was like whoa I was like something's going on I need to deal with it. Did you have an anger problem? Oh man, a mad anger problem. But that's ADHD as well. But mad anger issues like like from primary school. I I don't I don't really I haven't seen that guy for a very long time. But crazy because it reminds me again of the thing you know Gab. Gabo was here like five hours ago. He's yeah. literally written a book on this. This is why the, all these topics are so friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he was talking about is there's there's such thing as healthy anger, where um, which is actually a cure, it's yes. something that allows us to heal. Because he says that when we have like chaotic upbringings and we you know have abandonment from a parent, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we it creates this kind of like internal anger and resentment. Yeah. But at the same time, it creates people pleasing. Yes. And suppression, a lot of suppression. suppression. Yeah. I was yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. the word suppression. Yeah. So the anger becomes suppressed and it yeah. looks like people pleasing on the surface, but yes. then it'll... Is that... Bah! Out of nowhere. Like, what it's like the, the volcano coming over the top yeah. and then... Yeah. yeah, those layers. Yeah, yeah. And that's what... It, there was a lot of that where it's like, um, you can be passive aggressive and it's. I, I feel like... It sounds like a contradiction to be a people pleaser, but then to have... The volcano can erupt. Yeah, like, yeah, I know, I know. But it sounds, but, but it makes sense. It makes sense. You're, yeah. you're suppressing so much stuff, and you're not saying. Like, and that's what the big thing is in music. I was also I felt suppressed, so it was like, can I go? Can I find? Can I stop suppressing that as well? Because I was doing it musically, where I was in, I was in this kind of pop realm, and I was like, no, but I want them to hear all the layers of me, and I think Euphoria was the like first time I felt people actually heard what was going on on my hard drive for real, for real. Mm. And, and then with it connecting, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, they get it. Like, but, but I was like, it took so long for me to be able to try and share it. And it took for somebody else to go, give me your hard drive. I'm going to put this all in my, sh- I'm going to put all of this stuff in my show and I want you to make new stuff in my show for them for me to not suppress it. Cause I, it was like, I'm going to do it for you. (laughs) You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky. 
and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. You mentioned panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. Something fun told me about from her. Lost hair, everything. Lost hair. Yeah, I had, I, like I had clumps of hair falling out. It was mad. Like it was like I, I got to there and my wife was a big like part of supporting that because she, um, yeah, she just was like, she could see it all happening. Um, and funny enough, I couldn't fight for her at the time as well. Like, um like she could see it all happening. She was like, this is not the way business should be done. Shouldn't be treated this way. And and a lot of the people that were around me uh, made her like the monster. She uh, became the... She was one yeah, with the boundaries. Yeah, yes, that's right. And so, you know, like, um, have you ever seen Spinal Tap? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. But uh, I, I, kind of, I call it the Spinal Tap moment where the missus becomes a manager and she wasn't managing me. She wasn't even trying to. She hates the music industry, but she wanted to be like, I want to protect this guy's sanity and everyone else around me was like we've got a gig for flipping a hundred and something grand what do you mean like why why are you not going to do the show and it's like yeah yeah no I know you're feeling tired you're feeling you are you feeling a bit emotional okay okay don't worry man don't worry like look at what he's doing he's doing all this work and uh Mm -hmm. comparisons and all this stuff and so there was a lot of manipulation and she was seeing it and I think they kind of didn't like um, that so she got she got intensely like kind of um, protective yeah yeah but also d- then she became the martyr like the she became the there was a witch hunt and it kind of felt like it was directed at her and I wasn't strong enough to support her in that time if you get what I mean like I was I was still too you, you were taking the wrong side I was side. accommodating no I wasn't even taking sides it you was like no no uh, it's it's because of this and okay so you were just like, okay I'm supposed to have it together but I don't have it together but like no I don't think they meant that and and I didn't hear the stuff that was going on but when I heard what was going on I was like oh shit this is crazy um have you ever spoke to her about that yeah 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 that's what built strength in our relationship was that I said I said to her, I apologized to her and I, I think a lot of people don't notice how strong and powerful women are beside people that are in the public eye or like in mm. the music industry or entertainment industry. It's like some of them, some of them are like, of course, wonky or whatever, but and are there for the wrong reasons. But the ones that are there for the right reasons sometimes get, um, they kind of, yeah, they, they don't get treated very well, if you get what I mean, because it's like, you're the guy, you're the person with the guy. Yeah, they don't like, get the credit. Yeah, and, and it's always that. It's like, you're the person with the guy, like, um, and so she, um, she just was like mad supportive, and she introduced me to a shrink, um, and got me like like a lot of support, like just to talk to someone and and life coach because she worked around psychology. She was just really like, um, she put me on to a lot of things that um, um, I wouldn't have had if she wasn't around, you know. So it was like super important to have her around. Women in that that feminine, they call it like the feminine energy. Yeah. It's so, that particular feminine energy is so lost upon men these days. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it earlier with the, this whole idea of like, be more of a man and, yeah. and don't express your emotions and be a tough guy and all this stuff. But then you yeah. look at the stats around mental health and suicide and you see that it's just not working for men. Yeah, yeah. This no, approach, no, this sure. over-masculinity is just not, clearly not working. Yeah. Women, and including in my life, yeah. have... 
an ability to to open us up to the other side. Yeah. Which is unbelievably healing. She's mad. She's just super smart. And like, um, I just think she was more aware. She she had like, uh, she had a start that was pretty intense. And so it woke her up to a lot of things that I didn't, I wasn't um, aware of. And so she kind of schooled me on a lot of things that I think if she wasn't around, I would have lost it. I would have been like, would have been like, where's Lab? And then it would have been like, oh, right. <laughs> He's on YouTube with like no teeth shouting at the camera. <laughs> like, I don't know, like some, you know how people go like way left. But yeah, like I think if she wasn't around, I wouldn't be around, honestly. When you look back on the art that you created in that time, yeah. in that phase of your life, the music, the hits, Pass Out, Frisky, that, you know, all of that music you created. How do you feel about the music now? So if you walked in here and it was playing, how would you like, how would you, how'd you feel? <laughs> um, I laugh now. I'm like, oh, that's vibes. That's fun. Like, it's kind of like, it's fun. Um, and sometimes I see the brilliance and I'm like, like Pass Out still hits me. And I'm like, I can see the energy. I, I, and it was a moment where I kind of pulled up my sleeves and I was like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to make something I want to hear. And, and then it paid off. But I have moments like that. And then I get scared again. Like, it's like, Pass out, yeah, and it and it takes me a lot to get there. Where I'm like, I'm gonna do something, yeah, and then it's like, everyone's like, well done, do more, and I'm like, I'm too scared. <laughs> like that can happen where I get too shook. Um, it's just dealing with yourself. It's being um, being aware of yourself. Like what I was saying, to be conscious of yourself, um, or aware of your behavior helps you um, create peace in your life. Like and and make choices in a moment that are gonna. Um, support you in more ways than one if you get me mm-hmm. more than just finance or yeah and finance just becomes such a big thing in this industry even status and finance being a father finance is like you run you run for it because you're taught that's the way a man's supposed to be um, why did you go to eventually you go to yeah. LA at what 24 years old or something why did I go to LA yeah was it 24 years old you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you left the UK I wanted to go to LA to get away from the UK I'm not even just get away. I think that was going on internally. Like I was like, I needed to do something different. Um, but this was after you released your first album. Yeah. And I was Psycho. getting, I was take. it took me like ages to do a second. And I was like, I don't know. I was just in my head about it. And so I went to LA to go and just, just be somewhere different. Try working with some other writers and like maybe uh, kind of get new, fresh energy, you know? I was getting in my head about it. Yeah. You that second album. So you released the first album on yeah. Psycho. They always call it the dif- difficult second album. That's what they call it, second yeah. album. Because it's like, you had a moment and then it's like, oh, I got to do that again. It's like, that was on accident. <laughs> and it is always on accident. It's like nothing, um, like you can paint anything by numbers, but you, you can never, you, even in business, you can't recreate exactly the same thing unless it was supposed to happen. Because the world's changed yeah, as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah. It's, so it's like, yeah, like we're even in this industry now, like um, me and my team have been talking about it, but it's like we're in a whole new world. Most records are sold online, like heavily, like TikTok, like, like TikTok. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's how you sell records. <laughs> and so to come into that and go, how do I find myself amongst this without losing um, my authenticity? Um, like, what do you do? Like, you know, like, and, and so then it kind of goes back to a lot of the things that have happened where it's like, don't be that guy. Don't, don't be that guy and just like keep up appearances. 
um, find your way, find a way of saying it in a way that means something to you, you know? I'm really, com- you said, because I sat with Lewis Capaldi and he yeah. said to me, I'm shitting it. He's, his yeah. second album's coming out. Yeah. He was like, I'm shitting it. <laughs> and he told me about the procrastination, the doubt, <laughs> that first album, bang, this one did a billion streams. He was like, I'm shitting it. Because of the expectation, I, I genuinely, I get it. Like, not that I would, I've ever <laughs> that, been yeah, there, but I can understand Yeah, but how, in any business, it's like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like, we smashed it and... um. Yeah, it's do it again. Yeah, it's like do it again. Give me another one of those. When when artists and when people generally make that move and they and they make they make their way out to America, yeah, they become like a small fish in a big pond. Yeah, in many respects, like yeah. people aren't stopping you in the street like they are out here. Oh, that was sick! Just like I remember going to the Grammys and I was like standing next to John Legend and who else was there? There was massive artists, yeah, worldwide success massive records and I came to stand in and my publicist put me in there and the cameramen just that they were taking John John stand there oh, um, what's the Chrissy Chrissy stand there. Tegan, and then I came in and it was just like this they dropped the cameras and then the guy was like this <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh shit was, but do you know what I, you know when you're talking about losing um, or not getting the reaction you wanted it was the best reaction for me I loved it it was like they don't even give a shit. I can I can go be that guy again. I can go be the guy that was that gone. was yes. There was no expectation, so I was in this environment where there's no expectation, and then it was like now I can make me. Now I can go and make who I am. And I was in an environment on. And when I'm talking racially, the reason why I'm talking racially is because I felt pulled by these two races in this country, sonically, and and then when I was over there. There was none. There was none. Like, Lab, you need to be hood. Go do another this. Lab, we need more pop music. You need to be a bit more a regional. Connect with the radio more. Do more Simon Cow music. Um, and it was that. There was a pull between me, like, and, and I felt like I don't belong anywhere, like, because I like both. And I find I can see myself in both. But um, there's always somebody that doesn't like it. And that's what um, kept on affecting me was that, there's always someone that doesn't like what I'm doing. And so I kind of became comfortable with that feeling of being like, yeah, someone's not going to like this. Like, and, 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 and if you're a people pleaser, that's going to make you procrastinate. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But then I'm like, I kind of fell in love with it in LA where it was just like, that guy doing that, it was just like, I don't know who this guy is, don't care. And then I had to like work my way up, but in a way that was more pure, where it was like, I'm just going to do what I love. And I was working with people over there that just kind of like it shed, it pulled away all of the the kind of mess that that kind of uh, created this thing in my head, you know, about creativity. And that's like kind of a pro- process of like reinvention, right? You're kind of reinventing yourself from from again because the expectation is gone. Or? No, not reinventing, um, realizing, realizing, mm. because reinvention is trying to get somewhere. Realizing is actually going this is who I am. Like peel away the onion, like what's underneath. And it's like in that, for me, that's, that's the most important thing in my career. The most important thing in, in my existence is to go, what's the rawest form of lab of my person, of my existence. What's, what's the raw, rawest form of me, even without this body? Like what's the soul? What's, what's my center saying? What is that? Um, what do you mean? Like, what, what is the center? Who is Lab? 
if what's the purest form? If I peel back all those layers, layers on that onion, what is at the core of lab? It's a difficult question, one that I'd struggle to answer. So. No, I call it calling your tears. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes when I sing, I call this calling your tears. Like it's like. I want to hear the fucking scent of you as well. I give you the scent of me and I want to hear the scent of you. And even bummy notes, whatever the fuck is coming out. It's like, can I, can I, can I speak to you beyond your like, oh, I have this thing and I've got money and I'm thing. Well, who's the guy? And I'm like, if I can sing and do this to you and you see you and you, and, and we both see, uh, uh, beyond our flesh, beyond the things that bind us on, on earth, um, that shit for me is like, that's what I want to see. That's that's what I'm always trying to get to. Not not what you were taught when you were five. Not my mask. You know what I mean? Not what was was given to you or you were raised into. Like it's like what's what does your soul want? What what does like what's your soul song as well? And so like when I'm singing, I'm like like for me. Um, frequency has is is a language as well like music of course yeah like hearing a melody you can you can hear a feeling from it you can hear something saying something to you that's why we listen to music we're like it speaks to me and i'm like uh can i speak to you can i can i actually truthfully speak to you beyond the bullshit and usually frequency is one of our like most powerful languages like Literally everything is by 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 by, by vibration. Like uh, ev- everything on Earth is vibrating. That's that's mm-hmm. how like and and that that's how we can identify a lot of things. You can feel energy if you get I me. Mean. So for me, I'm like getting to the core of that is like the most exciting thing for me. Every time I go into the studio, I want to be there, but I'm fighting uh, to to get away from needing to police. Like and and that's that clouds my mission, all the time. Still today, yeah, hundred percent. Without that, but but it's not as loud as it used to be. You got music coming out soon, yeah. What was what's the process been like making this this new body of fun? Work? Yeah, it was fun. It was fast. Um, I I I worked with a band, my band LSD, me and CR and Diplo have a band. And in that, in working with CR, I kind of learned how to let go a bit. And um, when I went to go write my album, after the long album, the long number two, um, I just kind of was like, yeah, let's just let's do, just do something. Just do it. Let it go. Don't think about it. I did think, I did end up thinking about it le- a little later on because I've had the album for a while. But um, um, it was, I just was like, I enjoy these melodies. I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm going to leave it there. And I'm uh, alongside Euphoria. I was like, um, it kind of, a lot of these things were teaching me to do that. Like come out of that, the pleasing and just go, what are you hearing? Write what you hear from the sky and that's it. And just leave it there. So that's what I did with this record as well. How much is this record a reflection of how you're feeling and where you are in your mind and your psychology? How much of that is reflected through the music and what you've created? I believe that this record is one of the steps towards um, 
me being naked. Like I'm, I don't think I'm as naked as I want to be yet, but but um, I I believe that it's getting me there. And like even with this album, it was dedicated to my missus. Um, a lot of the songs on the album were dedicated to my missus because, like I was talking about, where she stood up for me and supported me uh, through the music, through like my experiences. Um, uh, I kind of wanted to. I turned our relationship in the music industry into a um, like two lovers, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, riding through the the cosmos. So, so literally, it's like uh, natural born killers in space. <laughs> That's what the whole <laughs> album was, and that was my like um, uh, inspiration for the record. Is that it's all love songs, but um, all of the love songs are me taking photos of moments with my with my wife and things we've been through together um and so i didn't even write i didn't write in a like way where it was like i'm gonna say oh a couple of weeks ago on saturday when this happened no it's not that (laughs) it's more it's more um, it's more like um loosely based on 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 like those moments and every song has like is me uh um amplifying like uh like little moments that me and my wife have had where do you get where where like sort of physically do you does mo does your inspiration show up everything is a song bro like everything in here in the streets in the in the gym this is a song this is a song i wait for you this bottle's sitting here and if you imagine that everything on earth is alive this bottle was made just to sit here to wait to be poured into my my cup so that's a song i wait for you i wait for at your beck and call whenever you need me and it's like i'm 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 turning this bottle into a person and i'm like oh um um don't you know how long i've needed to be wanted or don't don't you know i have my own things or things i want for myself if you get me so every every like little thing like um can be like like turned into or dra- dra- dramatized into a song, you know. Like, does that make I'll, sense? <laughs> make that, I'll wait for you, and I'll nutritionally complete. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is that like, I'll complete you. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm. It's like I'm. I'll be your servant. It's like, um, um. But like, when is my moment? Like, or you can just find things in it. Like, there's just one thing sitting there, and like, start to uh, peel the onion of okay. What would it feel like if I just had to sit there, like I was created, and I just had to sit there to replenish somebody's health? Like, have you always thought like that? Because that's quite yeah. an abstract way to think, like the the, the metaphor or the symbolism of yeah. what that bottle is doing. There, a lot of people would say, "Oh, that's a you know a drink." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's everything, bro. <laughs> and have you cultivated yourself to think in such a way over time where you've lent into that, or is that something that you've just always had as a no, that's that's it. That's it for me. Like with everything, is like because I guess, um, like you're saying, when, with growing up, um, you're going, how do people see the world? And you try to see the world through other people's eyes, especially with when you grow up with like either traumas or like an intense home. You learn to kind of observe a lot, and so like in observation, you go into like um, storytelling, almost. Bro, like, like it's like layers and layers of storytelling, like. Um, yeah, so I just see every every song, even sounds for me have colours, sounds for me have pictures. Um, so I always have an idea. Usually what scares the idea away is people pleasing, honestly. Like I know, I 
I know what my idea is, but it's like learning how to, in a business, um, especially that we go from writing in our bedrooms to becoming CEOs of companies without knowing it. Um, you have to learn how to run your business and turn, like get your business to articulate what you want to say without being frightened of judgment. I'm lab that just got signed to Psycho. Okay. Day one of Psycho, I get to meet you here now and I get to come and ask you for advice. I'm, I'm you on that day that you signed with Psycho. What advice do you give me? To live your life. Whatever it's supposed to be. And I don't, I won't take back anything that's happened. Honestly, like, because um, I believe that um, everything happens to build you and I wouldn't have learned the things I've learned in order to become who I am today. So all my challenges are turning me into who I'm supposed to be. So, Do you think if you'd told me, yeah. do you think if you'd given me advice, so I'm yeah. you, you know, when you signed that deal with Psycho, do you think if you'd given me the advice, I would have listened? No. Uh, no, no, no. I, I wouldn't have listened. To me, I would have been like, I'll be like, yeah, man, people love my music. Let's go. Like, because uh, you just don't know, innit? You don't know what you're going to experience. Um, yeah, so I would, I, would, I would say, go and experience what you need to experience because like you're going to head to your to your north in whatever way you can. And, and some people don't ever find their north because they don't learn to go, okay, um, let me take a look at myself. You know, like, I think that's the, the, my dad did that, where he just, he wasn't able to be vulnerable enough to go, okay, maybe this, or maybe, uh, like, could I change this? Or actually I'm not happy here, you know? Um, mm. um, and so I feel like if you can do that in your life, um, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I think, um, you, you'll be able to find your north like by, by being able to observe yourself. What are your goals now? I imagine that- To make the cosmic opera. Okay, bro, it's mad. No, tell me, if that's your goal, I want to hear it. What's oh, your- yeah, yeah, I do. I want to make an opera. You want to make an opera? Yeah, yeah. I want to write an opera. I can hear the sounds. I can hear how it looks, feels. Um, and um, yeah, I just, I want to, I want to like make, um, like, uh, I want to do things with choirs that nobody's done. I can hear all these things that I'm like, nobody's done this. I'm going to go do it. Like literally I'm there. Do you know, we did this podcast live with a live gospel choir, toured it up and down the country. Oh, really? In the house gospel choir? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my sister's choir. Oh, really? Yeah, well, my sister was in that choir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Cheryl, she, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. She used to work with, um, uh, what's it? The house gospel. She was part yeah. of making it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So we yeah. had this like 30, 40 person choir, the band. Love it. And it's this mixture between like the visual, so the video would come in and it would like crackle from people on this podcast. Yeah. And then you'd have me with spoken words and then the choir would come in and like, say the message in music if that makes sense yeah yeah so i might be talking about the struggle i had with like um the the one self-doubt and then the other young ambitious kid that knew he wanted to be a millionaire yeah. because he was insecure or whatever yeah and on one hand you've got wait till i get my money and then you've got niles barkley <laughs> i think you're crazy <laughs> and it was that, that kind of like battle of like music and stuff yeah bro you're doing it man that's nah, exactly not, not it there's it. a song <laughs> to all of it, isn't it? Nah. Yeah, but it is for, for me Do you get like, afraid now Afraid do you of, ever? Huh? Afraid of... I'm just saying, do you, oh, yeah, do, I mean, you, do you feel 
Do, do, do you feel maybe used to your fears now? So like stepping out on stage at the London Palladium, we, yeah. did, we opened up at the London Palladium and stepping out on stage at London Palladium, never having done this before in front of people and knowing that they'd bought tickets without ha- having <laughs> any idea what they bought tickets to. They're expecting a live podcast. So they're expecting yeah. this on stage. Okay. And then there's quite, and you know, there was a moment of that where you've just got to be at peace with the uncertainty. Okay. Yeah. And all the great things come from being at peace with the uncertainty. Yeah. You know? Which is Do you different. feel like maybe your peace with the uncertainty comes from your parents? Um, t- yes. So I would yeah. say my parents were so absent from my life. Like my okay. mom and dad were like, my mom was never in when I got home. She was never in when I woke up. Okay. So I got to play. Yeah. Kind okay. of experiment, if you yeah, know what I mean. That makes so sense. Much. Yeah. So when you start building evidence in yourself, like, well, I try this thing and it kind of works. So yes. Yeah, yeah. You kind of never unlearn that lesson. You never, you, once you've seen behind that curtain that you can just try stuff. And, yes. You know, and I, but, are you okay with the... Um, um, like, if it bombed, would you be okay? The honest answer. Yeah. So if it bombed, bombed, yeah. no, because... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Because well, it's crazy, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Because like, I remember, I yeah. remember, you know, the feedback we got is like nothing I've ever got in my career. Sick. But you yeah. get that one message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That like, goes, that was fucking like- weird. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it the next night yeah. before I go out. I'm yeah. thinking that one person said it was fucking like, like, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel, Even I though really we have like, you know, like, everyone's this is you, brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. And you're just like that one guy. Yeah, I feel you. Because val- a search for validation can be a real motivator in your life. It can force you to like go out there and do great stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, it also makes you really susceptible to criticism. Yeah. 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 No, it does. So it drives you, you, but then it scares you. You know, it's like. But if you like, that's what I love about hip hop. I was watching um, hip hop evolution and loads of the guys on there, they kind of were just like, we're already the scumbags of the earth to this country like there's nothing to lose yeah. and I kind of when I watch it I'm just like I love the like to just they just go and do anything because it was just like well like uh, I have one out of record on the album called Only Way Is Up yeah, yeah. and I, I say um, the only way is up um, what's it it was like um, basically like yeah the only way is up like it's like we literally if you're at the pit of of the bottom it's like there's nothing, nothing else to, to do so it's just like they were just like, I'm going for, I'm, I'm taking it all. And that's where hip hop turned into, well, it's like a massive industry now. Like, and it wasn't, it started from a guy just being on, like turned on turntables, you know? So, um, when you, sometimes I get inspired by seeing that. When your next project comes out, say every song on the album gets a trillion views. It's the first (laughs) album ever to get a trillion views on every record, right? Next time you see me, I'm going to be like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> well, no, I probably won't be like, you why are you speaking views. like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, what? what do you mean? How am I speaking? <laughs> Just with glasses. And your entourage. <laughs> Tinted car and shit. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Lab doesn't want to talk right now. <laughs> why are you speaking about yourself in the first person? <laughs> but are you scared of that? What, of becoming a dickhead? <laughs> no, 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 no. That too. But like, if, if, yeah. if, if you're next up, you get a trillion views on every record. Here comes expectation again. Suddenly you've got something to lose again. No, I'll burn it down every time. You'll burn, burn it down, down. you move to another Burn country. it down. Just burn down the house. Like, uh, and it's so beautiful to, to like, to be free of expectation of your own, and of, of your own expectation as well. For me, it's like, you're like Forrest Gump, man. You could do anything like with that when you're free from, and free, uh, funny, my son, this is his favourite song right now. Free from desire. <laughs> Man, um, but anyway, but when you are free from desire, in terms of like the need for an like a reception or the need for validation, it's like if you actually put that down, if you said I don't need validation, you're like 
He's just going to go do anything, bro. Like, he'll just go ham, you know? Mm. And some people are born, like, kind of have that. Like, it's just in them where they're just like, well, maybe they're scared, but they, they don't show it. And they're just able to just move on really fast and they have insane resilience. And I'm like, if I had that, um, like, what would I have done? What would I have done? And, and I'm not a person to go back to the past, but but I'm like, like how free would it be and how freeing would it be if you could just go, cool, that didn't work, let's go. Like, and not even that didn't work, just I'm going to do what I'm here to do, which do you, is make music. Do you see any of your peers or anyone in the industry? It's funny, I was thinking of Kanye West, I mean, yeah. controversial figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. He seems to not give a fuck about. He really doesn't. I've worked with him, yeah, yeah. He's, um, uh, and it was inspiring. And, and that's, do you know, even with Kanye, He's mad controversial, mad. It's it's yeah, it's a lot. But um, I guess he's intense for the world. But being in his creative environment was one of the most inspiring um, I've had. And I I wasn't a Kanye fan. Like I wasn't like oh I've listened to all your albums. I know every song. Like I literally was put with with Kanye through a manager, and they were like Labs fucking next hot hottest artist do you want to work with him? And then I, I got a yes. And then I went into the camp. So I started working with all these amazing musicians and producers. And it was just like, it feels like what I love, which is uh, hear it, do it. Uh, um, um, it's got no, nothing on the periphery affects the the, 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 the vision of what, what, is he- what he's headed for, especially in that environment. Sometimes maybe, I don't know, he personally, when he's at home on his own, uh, it's affected. But but it was just the vibe in there was just like, it felt like true creativity. Um, but like, I can't say anything about, yeah, like, I don't know what mission he's on. Like, Yeah, it's funny because I had Dame Dash here like a week yeah, ago and Dame yeah. said, Jay-Z's all about the money, Kanye's all about the art. Yeah. And that seems yeah. to be what's reflected from what you see on, from the outside. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Going back, yeah. to I asked you a question earlier yeah. about your goal. yeah. And you said about the cosmic orchestra. Yeah. That that's a that's I guess that's a goal. Is there like a bigger a mission you're on, or is it I, I think I've simplified my desires and it's like I just want to be a tap. I want to be a tap. And it sounds very um <laughs> it sounds very um wispy. <laughs> but like to be a tap for the universe, and what I mean by the universe is that. I I personally believe that we are all connected to a a, a source, and um, if we're all connected to that source, everyone has their everyone's a kaleidoscope, and when this source shines through our kaleidoscopes, you see these unique, beautiful things. As uh, but but we have to make our kaleidoscope as pure as possible, meaning to get out of our own ways to be the kaleidoscope that we're supposed to be. And for me, I feel like I'm seeing some of your kaleidoscope and, and you made a decision to change your world or to change your maybe facade that you had at the time to become who you, who you need to be and you clean the window, you know? And so for me, I'm like, if I can clean my window and, and shine light as purely as possible and do some shit that I didn't even know I could do, for me, that's a job well done, honestly, like in all truth. But the only thing that gets in the way is fear, self-doubt and all the, all the stuff that like the industry needing to make money, like needed to be validated, gets in the way of like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be cleaning the window. 
But um, that's what I keep doing. I'll keep going back to like, oh, okay, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Can I clean? My- <laughs> so that's what I want to do, clean windows. <laughs> it's a really interesting analogy about yeah, that, being that, most authentic self. And yeah, that's it for that. me. But it's, 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 it's easier said than done. We're all saying it online and oh, I want to speak my truth. I'm like, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. It's just to... To, to purely and you know when you're lying to yourself the only person that knows you're lying to you is you like and and sometimes you don't know when you're lying to yourself if you're not looking properly but when you look when you truly look you're like okay I'm lying and so for me cleaning the window is knowing when I'm lying and then being like okay cool let's go are we going back to truth yes let's do it <laughs> I mean much of the reason why I you know, I've always resonated with your music and I view it as art. You know, even I was listening to it all again today, yeah. going through the albums, going yeah. through some of your new stuff, yeah. is because you have that, it's it's so clearly comes from, it feels like it comes from a very authentic place. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not, I've not heard these sounds before. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it's I get. Like weird. Even when I go to, when I listen to Pass Out again, I was like, there's yeah. so many layers to this that are like, For there's real. some like, garagey grimy stuff and then you've got the little afro you know it's all yeah, it's, it's like all in there it mad. doesn't yeah yeah and this is that, someone it, that's how I you know when you ask me what happens when I listen, listen back I'm like oh is that how I look <laughs> it's like you're like oh like because there's self-doubt is so heavy sometimes that you don't even know how you look and it's like somebody could be like you're so beautiful and you're like I'm seeing warts, I'm seeing weird shit. And then you, you, your, your idea of yourself is so distorted. So when I listen back to old stuff, sometimes I'm like, it's like music I'm just like, well you. done, kid. I'm like, man, mm. like it feels, feels like you're, you've got your own identity. And I'm like, I, I, I almost end up saying to that 24-year-old, like, I'm like, bro, I'm proud of you. Like, like that's so fun. Like, I, I, I feel you. Like, and I didn't at the time. At the time, I was like, <gasps> I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So it's nice to kind of observe from a distance and be like, grandfather going, well done. <laughs> well done, man. Are you happy now? Am I happy now? Um, yes, I, I'm definitely happy. As a father, that changes your life massively. Um, so I think, um, um, yeah, I, f- I think I'm super happy. Um, yeah, like, uh, like uh, I, 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 I like to think about that when someone asks me a yeah, question. Yeah, because it's like easy that. to just go, yeah, yeah like, how are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm great, <laughs> yeah, man. You? <laughs> yeah, and it, we, uh, it's a difficult and some people think it's a shitty question because first you've got to define what happy means and happy yeah. is a mood. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm sad, happy. It's, it's a kind of a visceral yeah. mood. Maybe you know? should ask me, am I content? Yeah, and yeah I am. or fulfilled or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm content. I, I think with fulfillment, I'm, I'm getting there. No, I'm... I'm I'm cleaning the window all the time. So it's like realizing it's returning back to fulfillment, if that makes sense. If so if that fulfillment was a recipe consisting of different ingredients and in different quantities. Yeah. Right? So you need one egg. If you have two eggs, the recipe goes off. It's all about, you know, with recipes, it's all about balance and constructing the ingredients you need to create the perfect dish. If your fulfillment is a recipe list, is there anything missing off that that you believe now would make you would make that recipe perfect? For me, it's been balance. Yeah. It's just yeah. workaholic. That's kind of like an addiction yeah. that I have because yes. of early stuff. Yep, same. Yeah. So trying to make sure I'm investing in my romantic relationships and my friendships for so, real, so I can feel um, more. Same with my kids and my family. Like, yeah, that balance. But fulfillment is, for me, is um, 
desiring nothing, contributing everything. That's how I feel. Like, and it's like, and and maybe the only one desire is to to remain um, present enough to be able to receive uh, from what I'm contributing to. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. Or else you're not going to be there to hear it. You're going to be in the even, future. I won't even enjoy it. I won't even, yeah. yeah. My kid will be smiling at me and I'm like looking over Onto the next their thing. heads. Like, yeah. Well, how do I get more? How do I get a trillion views? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you got better at that? Being present to it, to experience the joy of life? Bro, it's the best. When you're present with your kids, it's the best. Like you learn so much stuff. My kid said like, she loves the moon. And um, she asked me, does moonstones fall from the moon? And I and she said they give me um the moon gives me moonstones all the time. And she's like, um, um, shall we give them back? And I was like, I was like, no, no, I think it was given to you as a present. But just like hearing stuff like that for me is like it's like magic. Like it's just hearing a magical mind stay in its like um still uh, uh um appreciating the world in this magical way when when we make it about a trillion views, you know, like same with my son as well. Just he smells flowers, and like he he really like he if he sees a flower he points at it and he wants to f- really feel it and connect with it and and enjoy it. And then he will go around giving everyone a flower and saying smell it for yourself. But seeing that for me is like he he made something that um go like um I ignore because I'm just so used to it. It's like super magical. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And it's, yeah, I was thinking about my dog there as well, how, how he yeah. simplified my life. Just like, I, was, I used to say, like, come, I'd come home from like the busy day, all these problems and, and the dog is there just fucking around with this Lucas Aid bottle, yep. having the time of his life. And he's like, <laughs> fucking chasing dad. He's like bringing it close and taking it. And I'm like, you don't understand how simple, yep. well, it's for fact, I've overcomplicated the world. That's, that's he exactly. understands how simple and wonderful yep. it is. Yep. But I've lost sight of that with my, with my wisdom or with my experience. Yeah. We have a closing tradition on this podcast. Okay where the last guest asks a question for the next guest. They don't know who they're asking it for. Okay. They just write it in this diary. This guest is handwriting challenged, so give me a second. <laughs> My teacher used to call it chicken scratches. Oh, yeah, it looks like... It looks a bit... This it look looks like, like chicken that? scratches. Oh. Okay. What are you not saying yes to in your life that demands to be said? What am I not saying yes to that demands to be said? Yeah, I think I think what they mean is like, what are you not saying yes to that demands a yes? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing. Saying yes to all the stuff I want to say yes to. Right? <laughs> is there anything inside you that's that's asking you to like step into it and accept it that you're not saying yes to? Okay. I, no, no. I, okay, so if we're going from there, um, uh, um, I think accepting what is, um, and, and uh, yeah, just accepting what is, like not getting um, dragged into uh, what it could be, and when you accept what is, you're like, this is sick. Like you just fall in love with it because you're appreciating it for what it is. You know, so. I think it's that constantly rem- remembering that. But that's that's a yes for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. 
Lab, um, thank you so yeah, much cool. for, for this conversation. Thank you for being here. I, you are a musical genius. I respect, bro. I appreciate you know, that. No, you are, because because <laughs> I can't really think of artists in, that have come out of the UK. I've come out of fucking Hackney <laughs> that have the like the creative diversity that you have. We don't have like the, honestly. The only other person I think of is I'm like Kanye. You know, I'm, and I'm a big yeah, can- I feel you. you know, no, Kanye you know is a G. I mean? Yeah, 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 I feel you, yeah. Where I, I yeah. believe you could, I believe with that sort of creative palette and the yes. diversity of your creativity and where you see inspiration in a fucking Huel bottle, <laughs> which is nutritionally complete hashtag ad, on the table um, is really genius. It's a real special genius. And with that comes a lot of challenge, yeah. as we see with Kanye as well. But, yeah. but it's a real special genius that I think, as you say, if the windows can remain clean, Bro, that's it for me. It's going to serve the world in a remarkable way as it has done already for you in your life. And, you know, the things you've done with movies, the music, and you talk, talk to me about this opera, I, I see and believe it all. And I can't Bro, man, wait. I got to come. Yeah, when, when, once I got it somewhere, I, you've got to come and listen. Please, let and me come. Like, Lab, I will this help. is the worst music I've ever known. <laughs> listen, I'll clean the windows. I don't care. Let me, I'll help you clean the windows so we can get this cosmic orchestra. Going. Oh man, I'm down. I'm down. I would love for you to hear it. But um, yeah, like um, that's, I'm definitely excited about this. I appreciate you. So it's an honor to meet you and I can't wait to see this next project and all the projects that you bring to the, bring to the world um, in the future. Thank you so much. Respect. Thanks. one decision away from taking your business to the next level and a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.